church. I want to welcome you here to the Mount. Welcome Stafford. Welcome those watching online. And, and really I'm sitting down today for two reasons. One, today I'm beginning a brand new series on conversations. And so I think one of the best ways is just to sit down and have a conversation with you out of God's Word together as we lean in together today. And then number two, the last uh, 40, 48, 72 hours, man, I have been battling the flu. And uh, I didn't even know if I was going to be here a few days ago, but yesterday it kind of started to turn the corner and I just wanted to power through today because today is such a brand new beginning on what we're about to talk about today. And, and listen, at the end of the day, you don't need me today to get this message. Come on, we need an encounter with God today. Who wants an encounter with God today? That's really what this is about, right? That's really what this is about, but I'm just grateful God will allow me to be here today to be with you and to share God's word with you today. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. And again, welcome to the Mount. I'm glad that you're here today on this Sunday as we call this series Sound Bite. <laughs> I love that already. Sound Bite. And, and I'll kind of explain a little bit more why we gave it that title today. But really what this series is about is learning how to communicate in a world that desperately wants to be heard. I think y'all know this by now. Our world wants to be heard. And so too often, too tempting just to, to, just to lay out there what we're thinking, what we're feeling, no filter, and just drop it like dropping the mic, right? And just to say what we're thinking and feeling at all times. And, and I'm just wondering if there might be another way to communicate than just us behaving like that. And so let's just kind of lean in to see if we know each other a little bit better today. If you're here today, I want you to think about work tomorrow or work this next week. How many of you, how many of you would wish the people at your work could get better at communication? Come on, anybody out there work at a place where you wish the people would get better at communication? Okay, I see your hands. All right. How many of you, come on, teenagers, students, kids in the room, how many of you wish at school tomorrow, people would be better at communication at your school that you go to. Come on, I see a lot more hands there. There you go. All right. How about this? Parents, how many of you would love for your kids to be better at communication? Woo, a lot of hands there. Revival's in the house today. Hey, kids, how many of you wish mom and dad were better at communication? Come on. Payback, payback, right? You just lost your allowance. You didn't know that. Come on, how many of you have a friend that you wish would just get better at communication? Come on, we all have a friend, right? How many of you spouses out there wish your spouse was better? Don't raise your hand. This is not a marriage series. You just ruined it for the rest of your week. Come on, come on. Can we just agree every single one of us have room to grow and every single one of us we need communication to be stronger, to be better. And, and I believe God wants to do that for us. I really do. I believe God wants us to be better in how we connect with others. And so here's what we're going to do today. Today I'm just going to give you a framework. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching today to kind of set up the series. I hope you'll come back. And as I give you the framework of communication, we're going to walk through a passage of Scripture today that I think will help show us some things. And then I hope you'll return so we can give you a little more application in the weeks to come in this series called Soundbite. So here we're going to look at, we're going to look at purpose, desire, the problem, the practice, and even the motivation as we kind of lean in together on this. Now, to kind of set it all up, 
because communication can be a broad thing where we can all come to different conclusions, I want to share with you this because I believe communication is something you practice. I think it's learning to listen, learning to talk, learning to connect. I think it's something that we have to practice and keep practicing again and again and again. I don't think it's a destination we arrive at, but we have to keep working towards good communication. And I think the scripture will kind of show us that again today. But the other thing I want to share with you is this, is if we get to the foundational purpose of communication, to come back to the, to, to the purpose of it, it's to us to understand that the sole reason communication is, is so that you and I can, can connect. It's to connect. Now, you might not think that when you hear the word soundbite, because the word soundbite is not about connecting. The soundbite piece is just you being loud and being heard, right? But if communication has a purpose, it's to connect us. Whether we're meeting somebody for the first time and they're checking us out at the giant, or if it's meeting somebody that you've been in relationship with for decades, it's the same. We all desire connection. And I want you to kind of get there first because when you start defining good communication as connection, it might change the way you've been doing it. You see, it's interesting to me that we live in a culture where we've never had as many pathways before in being able to connect with each other. Hello. We live in a culture where we have cell phones. We live in a culture where we have computers. We can email. We can text. Come on, we can even FaceTime. We have a way to connect with each other that's limitless. We've got social media where we can share our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, and we can connect with all kinds of people. But isn't it interesting, in a culture that celebrates connectivity, we also, behind the scenes, when you interview people, we've never been in a time where people feel more disconnected than ever before. We've got all these paths to connect, yet we're living disconnected, and many would say, I wish my relationships were more connected than ever before. Come on, is this going to be a sermon for somebody today? Come on, I battled the flu to be here with y'all today, right? And the front row's going, I'm wondering why I'm on the front row, right? <laughs> but can I tell you something about you that I know about you because I know it about me? Is that we all long for something. And let me just set it up like this. Let's think about the teenage girl that's here today. And last week was a rough week in her world. Why? One of her closest friends, probably one of her best friends, likes a boy at the school that they both go to. And that friend found out that that boy likes her instead. Likes her friend instead. And so she gets mad at this friend because the friend... She obviously had to be flirting with this boy to make him like her. And so she's mad at her. And so this teenage girl, maybe a girl in your home, comes home in tears that day. And mom's like, what's going on? What's happening? What's happening? And this girl begins to open up. But mom's kind of partially listening because she's also trying to finish dinner, right, for the family. And so in this partial listening, in the mom's mind, she's thinking, come on. This is nothing but a bunch of teenage drama. How long is the drama going to last, right? But yet, communication's either happening or not happening. Y'all with me yet? Let's think about the stay-at-home mom. Come on. Her husband works a hard job. He gets on the highway of 95, drives all the way north, goes, works long hours, gets back on that highway, comes home. But while she's home and she's got three kids 
under the age of six. Come on, blessing, right? And so every day she's managing her world, trying to keep the house in order, trying to keep everything in check, trying to keep up with the laundry. Come on, how much laundry can you use with this many people, right? And then on top of it, she's got to run to the store to get a few other items so she can, what, finish dinner and get dinner on the table by six? And so she's managing all this complexity, and while she's working on dinner, her, her oldest decides they're going to become an artist right there on the hall wall, right? And so she's now going to put out the disaster of this artwork on the wall. And while she's dealing with that, the dinner burns. Come on, about that time, guess who walks in? Husband. And he looks around and goes, what did you do all day? That night at dinner, she's trying to open up and share what's going on in her world. But you know what? He's preoccupied. She can tell he's not really paying attention. Why? Because in his mind, you know what he's thinking? Come on, her day couldn't have been that hard. It couldn't have been anywhere close to how hard my day really is, right? Too close to home? All right, let's push back a little bit then. Let's think about that guy that is on the highway going to work or that, that young professional, male or female, going to work, working these long hours, right? And let's think about that guy that's at the job really trying to show God, the leadership ahead of him that, man, I can be trusted. You can count on me. I'm going to get the job done. And he has been working and proving and showing that he's a get-it-done kind of guy. Why? Because there's a promotion coming and he wants that promotion. And he finds out that day that he didn't get it. And you know who got it? Come on. The other guy in his same department that's always complaining about leadership, always running his mouth, that guy got the job. Come on, that's not fair, right? And so he drives back home that day. He drops off all the commuters out of his car, and he gets home. And he finally shows up, and he wants to share because he's so mad. He wants to vent. And his wife, she's kind of partially listening, but she leaves the dinner halfway to get the kids back to bath because they got this whole routine every night, right? And so he's alone in his thoughts. What does he do? He gets out his laptop, right? And he starts to tell that boss what he's really thinking and feeling, right? You know that kind of email where you say things you would never say face-to-face, right? And you're wondering, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, right? What What does he really want? What does he really want? The same thing that they all want, right? All right, one more, one more, one more. Think about the family that has the mom that just lost her spouse of decades, right? And now in her senior adult life, for the first time, she's trying to figure out life without her spouse, And you know what, sometimes I think about the dilemma in our culture that deems identity so tied to what we do. What happens when we're beyond our job and we have since retired and people don't know what we used to be and what we used to do. And sometimes it's hard finding identity when you're beyond your job. And now she's not just beyond a job, she's also beyond a a relationship that she had for decades, a friendship that she had for decades. And the hardest part of her day is when? It's the evenings. When things are really quiet at her house. Sure, she's got family that loves her and they're local. But they have their own lives. They have their own stress. They have what? Their own activities. And so what does she long for? It's the same thing that the teenage girl longs for. And the stay-at-home mom longs for. And the working professional longs for. What do we all long for? What do we desire? We all want to be heard and understood. Isn't it true? We all want to be heard and understood. 
We want somebody to look us in the eye, hear our words, receive not just our words, but even connect emotionally with what we're feeling, what we're going through, what we're thinking through. Can I just know this about you because you want to know it about me? We want to be heard and understood. You see, there is a purpose for conversation, and it is to connect, and the purpose leads us to the desire to be heard and understood. And so today, I say all that to take us right here to this place where, where Paul is about to write some words to a church that he loves, and, and I just want you to see if you can relate with these words today, because God's got a good word for us today. Come on. Are you ready to hear them? Here's, here's what he says. Listen. He says, you, come on, you, brothers and sisters, you, brothers and sisters, you are called to be, and what's that word there? Free. But don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then here's verse 15. Look at this, guys. If you, what's the word there? <laughs> if you bite and devour each other, watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. Tell your neighbor what the title of this series is called. Come on. <laughs> You're so clever, Pastor. Don't we live in a world that's all about sound bites? Don't believe me? Join social media. Not only will you see what everybody got to eat last night, but you'll also find out who's with who, and you'll find out exactly what they're thinking and feel, feeling because they will tell you without any filter, right? And they'll tell you who they're mad at, rah, 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 and, and never go to that person and actually have the conversation. But they'll let it fly on social media. Come on, y'all know this, right? We live in a world that's all about what? Soundbite. Don't believe me? Turn on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. They're all the same, right? What do they do? They're all dropping what? Soundbites. But soundbites don't always fulfill connection. Matter of fact, soundbites lead to more division than anything else. But yet, isn't the purpose of good communication is to connect? And everybody wants to be heard and understood. Paul is writing to a people, I want you to get this, he's writing to a church in Galatia. Now, I know we spent about seven weeks looking at Romans chapter 8, and Paul wrote the letter to the church in Rome. Well, this is where he writes to another people group, another church in Galatia. And they're made up of Jewish and Gentile Christians, and they're beginning to, to, to unite under this banner of Jesus. And as they begin to do church, it's very tempting to go backwards in the story versus going forwards. And there's many Jewish people among them that are wanting to turn back to the religion side of it. Come on, the, the side that we could kind of be better you, than you in, the kind of control side. And they kept turning back to the Jewish law. They kept turning back to the Moses rules, right, of the Old Testament. And they wanted to go backwards, and yet Paul's saying, why would you go back to that old law? The only law we have now is the law of love. Come on, we have been saved by grace by faith in Jesus Christ alone. We are somebody new now. We're Christians now. How we talk, how we listen, how we connect, it matters. Because it shows the world that Jesus Christ is Lord over us. 
And yet Paul hears all this battling going on in the church and he writes this letter and he says, you got to stop fighting each other. And the imagery that he uses is really a rich image here. It's kind of an image of an animal, a vicious animal, first taking a bite, then devouring, and then destroying. It escalates. Are you seeing how that? It escalates. Sound bite. Bite. Take a bite. I want you to see this. I want us to begin to feel this because it is leading us to a greater problem that's also at hand here. You see, it's one thing to talk about communication in, in regards to purpose and desire. But we got to pay attention to the problem. Because if we don't pay attention to the problem, we'll never realize the impact it's having when it slides into our life and begins to rule our hearts all over again. You guys know what the problem is? It's the same problem that Adam and Eve had. It's the same problem that we have thousands of years removed. It's the problem of what? <laughs> Selfishness. Remember the whisper in the garden, Genesis, Genesis chapter, chapter 3, serpent slides up next to Eve. Did God really say, right? And just begins to tempt. But remember the outcome of that? Don't you want to be like God? Don't you want to be God? We know that it was so desirable that what? Eve takes the apple and what? We'd say apple, it could be any fruit, right? Takes the fruit and what? It needs it, why? Because it was tempting for her to what? To be in control. Pride maybe, selfishness maybe. But she's got to be what? She's got to be right. She wants what she wants. And then she gives some to Adam and he eats it. And both of their eyes are opened in that moment. Why? Because selfishness is the root of it all. When we push away from God and do things our way, selfishness is the root of that. You need to know this. And see, if we don't pay attention to our nature that we all share in common, we all have a nature not only do we all share a desire wanting to be heard and understood, we all have a nature. It's called a sin nature. Our sin nature is selfish. Man, I so wish when I became a Christ follower that that sin nature disappeared. But it didn't. It's still there. And there's times where I feel like it's at war with what I want to do. You ever feel like that war is going on in your life? Come on. You ever feel like there's a tug of war going on in your life? It's like, man, I just want to be, I want to be selfish. I want to do things my way. Oh, I want to do things God's way. And it's like this, this, this battle happening. And I want you to see the idea of this idea of selfishness because when you choose to be selfish, then you also choose to disconnect with whoever you're talking to. Selfishness will lead you away from what good communication is supposed to be. You can't connect when you choose to be selfish. Now, let me kind of help explain it this way. What is sound bite? Come on, what is sound bite? Let me give you three ways to define sound bite. Sound bite says, I have a need to win. It's the need to win. If you're in a conversation and you feel this tension, I got to win this, this conversation, then you're already there. You're already there. Because right behind the need to win is the need to be right. You ever been around somebody that's always got to be right? Come on, isn't that exhausting? Except if it's you. Right? Because the need to win, the need to be right, also comes with the need to get the last word. Hello. You ever been around somebody that's always got to get the last words, got to talk louder, got to be last, got to right, win, got to win, got to win, got to win. Isn't that exhausting? Unless it's you. Anybody struggle with sound bites? Or is it just the pastor? This right here is the tension. And Paul says, got to stop biting. 
Got to stop devouring. Got to stop destroying one another. Your words aren't leading to connection. Your words aren't leading to being heard and understood. They're leading to what? They're leading to division. There's something powerful about our words. You ever heard, sticks and stones, brain, very your bones, but words can never hurt you. That's such a lie. Words hurt you more than a broken bone. Because they're the things that stick with your head and stick with your heart. And sometimes it's the words that people speak out loud to you that you've thought already about yourself. And they just confirmed it, right? It's words that have the power to build and the power to destroy. And we're going to talk about this over the next several weeks. Because if we're saying we want to get stronger at communicating, it's going to take some practice. But see, Christians, we have an edge here that I don't want you to miss today. And I want us to see in God's living word. God has given us something that can actually help catapult us forward. But we got to see it. we got to begin to believe it and see it. Because here's the thing. When we live with sound bites and we just think that we can just talk and behave like the rest of the world is behaving, then go ahead and choose blame coming out of your mouth. Go ahead and choose criticism coming out of your mouth. Go ahead and choose to complain about anything and everything. You know how sticky complaining is? You could be complaining about one thing, and if you complain about it long enough, it'll trace a trail to something else, to someone else, and all of a sudden you're complaining about everything. And everybody's like, are you just mad about everything today, right? Complaining has a life of itself, does it not? Why? Because sound bites, sound bites don't connect us. Sound bites divide us. Come on. If you want to hold on to sound bites, hold on to sarcasm. And let your sarcasm have a little bit more edge. Hold on to trash talk because it makes you feel good in that moment, but it sure doesn't connect. It just divides. Hold on to gossip because you know what? When you've been wrong, you've got to find two or three more people that will agree with you that you were right and that other person was wrong, right? we got to find someone to be our ally, to be on our side. It's why we sulk. It's why we become jealous. It's why we use our words to be filled with hatred. And it's why we can excuse having a rage moment because we deserve to be Hulk in this moment, right? Because we were wrong. Sound bites. Give me permission to what? To win and to be right and to get the last word. So as we give the framework of communication, and as we begin to evaluate a little bit, I wonder if any of us struggle with being a person of sound bites. And maybe God's trying to help get us on this first session, this first message in this, in this sermon series to help us to know there's some growing to do. There's some surrendering to do because there's some growing to do. Are you all with me this morning? Now, in this... Paul talks about the war that's going on within us. If we keep reading, we'll hear about this war. Look at this, verse 16. He says this, he says, So I say this, Christians, you are to walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, come on, your nature, come on, your sin nature, your flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And your spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So, they are not to do whatever they want to do. Come on, there's a conflict going on. It's between our nature and our selfishness, right? 
It's this battle that we want to be right. We want to win. And it's against the spirit. And God's trying to show us something here about the spirit. Now, let me show you this about the flesh. And I didn't even put this on the slides today. I hate that I didn't. But verse 19 says this, the acts of the flesh. If we just let our flesh lead, if we let our flesh drive us forward, it says the acts of the flesh are obvious. And it gives this whole list of words. If you have a Bible, you're seeing these words. Some of them are sexual words of sexual impurity and, and immorality and debauchery, some of those things. But, but some of the words are relationship words like hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, and factions, and even envy. These words are all about disconnecting versus connecting. Our nature wants to battle what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to battle the spirit. And so the question is, what's ruling and reigning over your heart? Because see, if any of these words can describe you and your conversations at work, at school, and even at home, then selfishness is ruling your heart. You need to see that. Come on. If the Holy Spirit begins to convict, let us see things as they really are if we want to surrender and begin to grow again. God has something for us today. Because here's what I'll tell you. If you are stuck in selfishness, I'll say it this way, then you are not free. You're not free. And yet the whole passage starts off by saying this. That you're to be free, but you're not to use your freedom to indulge your what? Your sinful nature. You're to use your freedom to do something different with, right? You're to use your freedom to do something for someone else. And what does it say there to do? What are you supposed to use your freedom to use? You're supposed to use your freedom to what? To serve. You see, this is our practice as a Christ follower. If we want to come alive in who God wants us to be, we are called to serve. We are called to practice serving the other. Now, here's where it gets real applicable. How do we serve the other? What's their greatest desire? What's your desire? What's my desire? We all want to be what? We all want to be heard and understood. So how am I going to serve someone else? I'm going to give someone else what I desire for myself. If I want to be heard and understood, guess what I'm going to give someone else? I'm going to hear them and I'm going to understand them. I'm going to look them in their eye when they're sharing their heart with me. And I'm going to listen to their words. And I'm going to listen beneath their words. And I'm going to begin to speak back to them when I hear them saying so I make sure I get it right. And as I start to go there, I, I want them to know when they walk out of that conversation, wow, that person heard me and understood me. And we're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. But I just want to start there because here's the thing. If God's called us to serve someone else, then we can't get stuck in being selfish. And isn't that really the 30,000 foot view I want you to get on this first message? Is am I going to choose selfishness or am I going to choose to serve someone else? Because really that decision right there is the game changer and how you're going to be able to talk how you're going to be able to listen, how you're going to be able to connect in good conversations with someone else. Come on. Isn't that what we desire? Yet in this, it's the battle that's always going on. Come on. Paul says it this way in Philippians 2 when he writes to this other church. He says, hey, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not look into your own interest." 
but each of you to the interest of others. <laughs> and to set the bar even higher, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Hey, Christian, you have been called to serve. And here's the thing, it's not going to always feel natural. But then again, we're not living natural lives anymore. We're living supernatural lives. So I want to do this not out of my strength. I want to do this out of the strength of the Lord. And I want to live in a way where I can begin to serve others and give them what I desire. And not to do it in a manipulative way, but to serve them with truth and love. And as I serve them with the truth and love, I'm going to find greater freedom in my life. Because now I'm not going to be captive by needing something. I'm going to get it through serving and loving God first. There's something freeing in this. When we begin to see that God has given to you and to me exactly what we need to be able to do this kind of serving. This is so cool. When, when we become a Christ follower, we not only begin a relationship with God the Father and Jesus the Son, but the Bible says that God puts the Holy Spirit in us. Is this not powerful? And do you know that, that the Holy Spirit now begins to reside in you? And by the Holy Spirit living in you, the Holy Spirit has gifted you some fruit in your life. And that fruit's either growing and becoming more vibrant and more evident and more visible, or that fruit is shrinking down and being hidden in your life because you're not living free. Y'all know this, right? If you keep reading from Galatians 5 verse 13 and you read through that horrible list of things that will grow when you let your nature lead, it gets to verse 22 and then it gives us this powerful picture of what the Holy Spirit brings to each of our lives. It says that the Holy Spirit brings the fruit of the Spirit, which is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness and self-control. Come on. These nine pictures, these nine words of what God has placed in us. Now watch this. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Come on, the nature, the old man, the old woman with its passions and desires. Since we now live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become, look at these three words, conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Come on, we got a new way to live. We got the Holy Spirit living in us, and He wants to do something new in us. And here's the new that happens in us. Look at these nine words right here. These other eight words don't happen without this right here. Love is the foundation of it all. We could say it this way, love is the motivation behind it all. And this right here is the fruit that God has already placed in you if you're a follower of Jesus. The question is, can people see that fruit in you? Can they experience that fruit in your conversations? You know, when I was looking at this list, and even Warren Wearsby talks about this, his first three really about have a lot to do with us and God. For God so loved the world that he gave, right, his only son, so that I could, what, experience this love, this forgiveness that I could never earn or deserve. The love of God should be the motivator of my life from this point forward as a Christian. The joy right behind that happens because now all of a sudden I realize that no matter what's happening in my life, I can still have the 
the hope of God's presence in my life. And I have his, have his presence in my life. Guess what? Happiness can be found no matter what's happening circumstantially in my story. That the joy of the Lord is there with me. Isn't that powerful? And then right behind that is this peace that I can't always explain. It's just there. And when people see my life and sometimes see my life and everything's turned upside down and looks like all you know what's breaking loose. And they see a steadiness there that couldn't just be about me. It's like this, this river running in my life where I can say, man, God has given me peace that I know he's going to get me through what I'm facing right now. You see, I want people to be able to see this in me. That's what the Holy Spirit's already gifted me with. And now he's wanting it to grow bigger and more fruitful so people can experience that from my life. Now, isn't that good? And then you get three more words here. And this is really a lot to do with us and others, right? Don't pray for that. I'm joking, kind of. But God wants us to show that we're going through things, that we are people of patience, right? That we're going to trust in the result of people, the result of the process, the result of the project. That we're going to see, that God's going to see us through. That there's a patience about us, not a reactionary, but a patience about our spirit. And then even this idea of kindness, that there is... There's a care that we emulate. There's a care that we give. There's, there's an ability for us to be about the person that we're talking to in that very moment. And yet be thinking about other things as we move forward in our, in our lives. And then there's a goodness too where we do care about the person as well as the organization that we link our lives with. But how we impact other relationships shows up. And really these last three, not that they can't be expressed to God and to others, but they're really to ourselves. And sometimes that's where we get deceived the most is our relationship with ourselves. You know, this feeling of, man, I'm not really faithful, but yet God puts that faithfulness in me. And he says, you can, you can endure, you can hang in, you can hold on. I am with you and I will walk with you through this. And this idea of gentleness is kind of this restrained power. God has given me power, but I'm not the Hulk that's uncontrollable, right? I get to leverage that power to be used for care and concern of others. And even this idea of self-control is that, that I can put my mind and put my heart and put my commitment to something and see it through. But also, I'm not going to be a, just an impulsive, reactionary person, but yet there's, there's this control that's happening in my life. And these things are growing because I'm practicing and I'm living these things out by living with the Holy Spirit. This is the fruit. This is the picture of what God wants for us in this. Or you can choose it your way and keep choosing to be selfish and keep soundbiting everything and thinking that's going to lead you to feel more empowered and more in control when actually it feels you more in prison. Man, God wants so much for us, church, and he wants us to be able to live it out. And, and really, as I said it out loud a minute ago, the motivation behind all of this practice is the motivation of love. The motivation of love. Without love, you don't get any of the other fruits. And I'll say it this way. When believers, when we lose our motivation for love, we also lose our freedom and we become critical in our, in our relationships with others. When we lose the motivation of love, we lose freedom 
and we become critical to the people around us. And what I want you to see about those nine fruits there, that nine, that list of nine words, listen, faith is the root and love is the fruit. Love is the outward visible sign that I am changing, that I am becoming, and people can begin to see that, that I'm a person that you can trust, I'm the person you can talk to, because I'm the person that will hear you and understand and connect well with you because of what Jesus Christ is doing in me. Now, I know anytime I start using the word love, some of the men in the room, we get all kind of weirded out by that love word. Now listen, I'm not talking about an ooey gushy mo- romantic love. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about you going back to work and being all awkward and giving everybody awkward hugs and kissing people on the mouth or something like that. Listen, matter of fact, if you do that, you're going to get fired. Don't do that. HR will be called, and that will be no good for anybody. I'm not talking about that kind of love. I'm talking about the kind of love that sees people made in the image of God, and is willing to not just see people but hear people. And understand the weight of what they're going through right now. Don't dismiss the teenage pain as teenage drama. Sit and listen and try to understand what your son, your daughter is walking through right now. Because you know what? It's real to them. Listen, don't overlook the hard work of a single, actually a stay-at-home mom. Or a single mom at that. Don't overlook that. You know what? Those, th- those people need somebody that will what, hear and understand that the work they're doing might be the hardest work on planet earth. Saying yes and raising that next generation, knowing they don't get to take a day off and tap out. But they got to keep showing up and keep leading forward. Listen, don't minimize the professional that's worked so hard but yet got ignored and got overlooked. Man, we need to sit and listen. We need to understand. We need to know what that feels like. Why? Because that person deserves to be heard and understood. Don't look past the senior. Come on. Some of the greatest wisdom we have in this church are people that have lived a long life and have the story to prove it. Just because they're not in a professional job doesn't mean they don't have a viable purpose and a role. Not just in our church, but in this community and in this world. And you know what? When we stop listening and hearing and understanding, we rob ourselves of the gold that could be ours in our own life and our own stories. God has called us to be people that will serve others. And the best way we serve others is to hear and to understand. Come on, is this, is this helpful to somebody today? Is this encouraging as well as convicting us and maybe how fast we move and how often we miss the moment that God has in front of us. I was looking at a few other verses that Paul wrote, and let me just share this with you before we move on, because I want you to see this, because I started imagining what kind of impact could this have if in the next seven days we slowed down long enough to actually look at the people and listen to the people that were right in front of us. What could this do at our jobs? What could this do at school? Come on, what could this do at home if we began to do this. So don't get weirded out about the love part, but I want to make some connections here that Paul made that I think are important to us. Look at this. Romans 5, 5 says, and hope, we all long for hope, hope does not put us to shame because God's love, there's that word, has been poured into our hearts through what? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit plays a big role in this deal. And he has been given to us. 
So why would I want to grieve the Holy Spirit? Why would I want to push back from the Holy Spirit when he's got so much more to pour into me and to, and to pour through me? And then he goes on to say this in Romans 13, 8. He says, listen, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to what? To love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Come on. Our conversations, our relationships our lives are fulfilled in our love with one another and with the Lord. So good to start here. I hope you will come back as we continue to unpack this. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back out. And even as they come back out, I, I want to just challenge you to a few thoughts today before we finish out this message. The first thing is I want to give you some homework. Come on, even online. I want to give you some homework. The next seven days, I want you, as you go back into your environments of school or work or home or neighborhood or even uh, your marriage, I want you to go there, and I want you, first of all, to be a listener. And I just want you to listen the next seven days. And as you listen, I want you to assess what I hear. Is there sound bites happening or is there serving happening in these environments? I just want you to assess that for yourself. And to make it even more personal, I want you to assess yourself in that to say, do I hear a bunch of sound bites coming out of me? Or do I hear serving coming out of me? Because this is going to begin to determine if you're practicing selfishness or you're practicing serving. I want you to begin to see this for yourself. But good to go there. So don't pull out the sword and start judging everybody in your life. Judge yourself first. Start there. And I just want you to begin to diagnose what is happening around you. Because you know what could happen? Maybe you're the reason that God's going to use to change the environments that you're in. You taking on a different posture. You practicing a different purpose. God's going to do something through you to make the environments better. Can you do that? Would you be willing to do that? What's funny to me is I titled today's message, Just Saying, because my wife hates that phrase. Our kids will say, Just Saying, right before they're about to remove the filter and say what they want to say, or right before they're about to give you an excuse why they're not going to do what you're telling them to do, or right before they're about to do, they're going to say, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, as if that gives them like freedom to say and do whatever, right? So every time they start saying that, she's like, oh, don't go there, don't go there, right? I was thinking about this this week. I really thought I was a pretty intelligent guy until I had teenagers. For starters, parenting is hard work, amen? And the more I parent my teenagers, the more I realize I'm, I'm pretty dumb at leading my home. The other reason I say that is because my kids will tell me often I'm pretty dumb leading my home. And our kids do that, don't they? They humble us. And I was thinking about just saying, I'm just saying, just saying. Last week at Easter, we had an amazing weekend. And I told you, I love Easter, but man, I love the week after and the week after. Because you know what? We want to keep saying, God, how do I trust you and your word as I move forward? Right? And I know it's been a marathon weekend for me and my family. And, and I shared some of the story last week on Good Friday. I told you about my daughter, Sydney, having that wreck down in Florida. And how grieved I was not being able to be there with her. I didn't share the other half of that story. Two hours after that accident happened and I talked her down out of her emotion on the phone. Two hours later and one street over, I had another child in my house that got hit by a parked car. Within one day before 
one day we totaled two cars in the Gaston family. Easter happened, I'm praying for resurrection. But the grave is full of two cars from the Gaston family. This last weekend was a fast and furious Easter weekend with the emotion of all that happened and all this stuff. I'm going, oh, and then this week we had several things going on. And all of a sudden, Thursday night, God said, it's time to slow down. And I've been battling the flu for the last three days. And I've been, I've been nothing but in bed for two days straight. I didn't know if I got to be here until yesterday. And I share all that to say, you know what, you and I, we're all going through stuff, right? You don't always know my stuff. I don't always know your stuff. We're all going through stuff. And when we're going through stuff, you know what I realized? Listen, listen. It is too easy to give yourself permission to be selfish. And here's what I know about God. Either you slow your life down or he'll slow your life down. And you know what I found in the last 48 hours? It's time to slow down a little bit. Because I got a lot of people in my life that need me to hear and understand what they're walking through right now. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but I'm telling you this out of my pure confession. God has gotten my attention, and we're trying to do better as a family. And I want to do better as an employer here at this job at church where I got all these staff. I want to do better. I don't want to be a church of soundbite. I don't want to be a staff of sound. I don't want to be a family of soundbite. I want to connect. I want to be heard and understood, but you know what that means? I got to serve everybody in my family. I got to hear them and understand them. And just maybe as I love them that way, they might want to love me back the same way. This is just the beginning. Would you come back next Sunday? Listen, if you're here today and you're a Christian, the Bible's told you this, and I want to tell it to you again. The Bible says, You are free. You are free, but do not use your freedom to serve yourself use your freedom to what to serve God says that's the most freeing posture when you're willing to serve everybody else with the love that God's put in your heart and here's the powerful piece of this deal Christians God has given you what you need to be able to do it (laughs) he's given you the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit has given you what love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness self-control come on I got in me what I'm able to live I just now need to turn my heart towards that and I got to just keep saying God your ways over my ways help me to learn to hear and listen and understand the people around me come on anybody want to join me in that this week but I started thinking about this and I didn't know where this would go post week of Easter but just maybe somebody's here today and you're not a Christian you sure long about the kind of things that we're talking about today you want to be able to love like that you want to have that power in your life that Holy Spirit in your life but you know what without Jesus Christ you are separated from experiencing that fullness I hear I call you to this today in a relationship with Jesus you get God the Father Jesus the Son and you get the Holy Spirit if you're willing to surrender And see, isn't that interesting that if you're a Christian here today and you've not been hearing and understanding, God says it's time to surrender. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, God says it's time to surrender. The same step. God's calling us close. He loves us. He's calling us close. Last hour, I invited people to do this, and one person did. All the way down in Fredericksburg. Come on, video works. 
who's here today right here in this moment in this experience that needs to say yes for the very first time and give your life to Jesus pretty awesome on a communication sermon you're going to make your best connection today a connection with Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior come on bow your heads and your hearts with me Father God thank you for how on time you are with your word thank you God that you can use an imperfect vessel like me tired pastor that's battling the flu but God I'm grateful that today's not about Todd Gaston it's about you Jesus being lifted high it's about your good news that we're declaring true over our lives and God I pray for the believer today that's not been living out the fruit that's in their life that's not been paying attention to the people around them that's not been hearing and understanding those that are around them God would you call them to surrender today and to begin serving these next seven days in those environments that you're going to call them into I pray that you use that man, that woman that boy, that girl that teenager to make a difference in their world by serving others first but God today you've served us with the greatest news of all that we can have a right relationship with you if we trust Jesus to be our Lord. God, I'm convinced today, somebody's here today that needs to begin a relationship with you. And so I want to give them a chance to do that. It's called prayer. Would you just simply talk to God? It's called prayer. Right there where you're seated. Come on, you might be watching us online. God found you today. And God right now is knocking on the door of your heart. In this prayer, would you open the door and let God in? Come on, tell God this. Say, God, you're speaking to me. I realize I need you. I need your love to save me. I need your love to forgive me. I need your love to help me come to you. I ask Jesus, your son, to come into my life, to forgive me of my sin. And now lead me to serve. I'm yours. And I'm all in. Thank you for saving me. Praise God. If you're here today and you just prayed those words and believed those words, you just began a relationship with Jesus. Can I celebrate with you? Right here today, if you just gave your life to Jesus, would you just put your hand high in the air and say, Pastor, that was me. Come on, put your hand high. Put your hand high. Hold it up. Hold it up and keep it up till we get to you. Once our prayer team sees your hand, they're going to come to you. They're going to give you a gift, and you can put your hand down. Father, thank you. Only you can save. Only you can change us. But God, today, would you ignite the church to be the church this next seven days? May we impact our world at school and at work and in our homes because we're going to be people that are willing to slow down to hear and to understand the people around us. God, help us to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's church said, amen. Come on, let's stand and sing.